do you want to be buried in a cemetery? Because it's fine if you don't, but if you don't want to, then there's no reason for you to be talking to me. It's like, oh, no, no, we want to be here. Grandma's over there. My aunt's over there. It's like, all right. It's like, well, if you want to be buried in a cemetery, you're being selfish and irresponsible by not taking care of this now. The great irony of life is this. We all want a life we love and more time with the ones we love, but our job, the very thing that's supposed to be the financial vehicle to provide that freedom is the very thing that chains us down. Do you think you have what it takes to rise above yourself? Are you ready to start transforming your dreams into reality? If so, I'm Cody Teal. Welcome to the Finding Freedom Podcast, a tribe of dreamers and doers, rebels and fighters that are here to prove to the world you can have your cake and eat it too. Well, for your, for your second live, uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome to Fighting Freedom Podcast. We're also streaming live. I think this is my first podcast live because I usually just record them and post them later. So uh, for all the people that are listening on the podcast, you can go check it out. Um, and maybe we'll do even some questions. I don't know. Um, anyway, wanted to dive right into this. So well, we're talking with James Wood here. James, you're at what town are you out of in South Carolina? Greenville. Greenville State. You got, you got to say it, Greenville. Yeah, Greenville. got to say it, Greenville. Because <laughs> I uh, Greenville. Yeah, well, And then there's, uh, there's like a suburb. It's not really a suburb, but a separate one. It's Greer, but it's a it's Gur. Gur, yeah. Gur. Yeah, yeah but I got, it's about, I got uh, in Greenville. We're about 30 minutes from Clemson. Yeah. That's cool. Clemson, no P in it, not Clemson. <laughs> nice. Well, so for people that don't know you, Give a little, give us a little in, intro, a little tidbit, a little soundbite. Well, more than a soundbite. Um, well, I've been in solar for like, uh, I guess, coming up on two years. Um, mostly just using it as a platform to, to launch my, my stand-up career. Um, Go ahead, sorry. But yeah, okay, I was wondering if that was me or you. But, um, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I like music. We go to like, uh, we try to like go to a, a show of some kind, me and my fiance. Go to a show uh, like once a month or so, do some dancing and uh, have some of that. She took me to see the 1975 a little back, which was like this British rock band. It was actually a pretty, uh, pretty cool show. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's other specific things. I was born in Alaska. That's fun. Okay. Born in Alaska because? Uh, my dad was in the Coast Guard. So I moved around a whole bunch of places when I was uh, so like moved around like every three or four years. So I was like born in Alaska and then uh, lived in Michigan, lived in North Carolina, uh, lived in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, lived in Puerto Rico. And then we actually ended up back in Kodiak, Alaska. Uh, so I went to high school there. So a military brat that went to, uh, was born and went to high school in the same spot. So I did like a, a whole little loop. Okay. So, but, yeah. okay. Well, let, let me like take a second here real quick. So because I've never heard the term military brat like, like used with Coast Guard, but it's the same thing, right? From your guys' perspective. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, they're, a branch okay. Of the mil they're a branch of the military. They're just under Department of Homeland Security instead of uh, Department of Defense. Okay, I, did, I actually didn't know that. Um, I actually spent three days on a Coast Guard cutter once, but I'll, we'll get to that later. Oh, really? Uh, really awful experience. <laughs> Not like a good <laughs> one. So you arrest, Were you like arrested for like being illegally on a boat or something or... Uh, we were we were debugging it. It literally got infested with so many cockroaches. We had to plug all the holes and fumigate it. <laughs> that, I'll, I'll tell that story later, though. This is all about you. So 
you traveled all over. How'd you, how'd you end up in Greenville, South Carolina? Uh, I went to school at Clemson. So like I applied for a bunch of places. I had like, uh, I wanted to go to like Stanford or Georgetown. Um, I actually like was going to go to uh, the Coast Guard Academy uh, or the Air Force Academy because like, oh, free college, stuff like that. But uh, I actually did the summer program at uh, the Coast Guard Academy. They have like this thing for your summer after your junior year of high school, you can like go to the Coast Guard Academy or go to the West Point or whatever and like, uh, and like see what a week is like. And uh, that was a very interesting experience. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. There was definitely, you know, you wake up to like, uh, they're playing death metal music and like banging on trash can lids and stuff. And like, there's a lot of yelling and screaming going on. Uh, you get up and out of bed in like 90 seconds. But uh, I was uh, at the time uh, being like obligated to the military for until I was what? So you get out when you're like 22, so you're like 27. I was like, well, that's like all of my life. Like, I can't do that. Um, in, in hindsight, the discipline probably, the discipline and structure at that point in my life probably would have done me some good. But, um, but uh, Clemson gave me in-state tuition, a bunch of scholarships and stuff. I, uh, I got into Georgetown, but uh, one thing, so I like applied to like a whole bunch of scholarships and all this other stuff. One thing I didn't realize is that a lot of these schools, at least this is the way it was when I was doing this in 2008. So I thought like, okay, if I can get, you know, cause if it's, let's say school's $50,000, like, well, if they give me $25,000 in school scholarships and then I get $20,000 in outside scholarships, like I can just go to school for $5,000. But that's not the way that works. Like they actually, for every like dollar you bring in an outside scholarship, so like, well, you're a dollar richer now, so we just won't give you this money. Yeah. And I was like, wait, so like all this outside money is literally just like going into your pocket. And Clemson actually didn't do it that way. Clemson was like, well, we'll give you in-state tuition and this stuff. And yeah, you can just apply all that. Okay. So what what did you do at Clemson? Uh, way too much drinking. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I studied economics and philosophy. Okay. So you graduated there. And then how the heck did you end up in solar? I actually didn't graduate. I'm one you of those graduate. slackers. That's I did okay. like three years. Yeah. But, uh, um, and then Greenville is like a little bit away. So most of my family's out here now after my dad retired, they moved us. I knew about Clemson because I had a brother who was living out here. Um, so it kind of made sense to come out there and whatnot. So like most of my family is, is all here now. Um, but uh, so like I just kind of stuck around. Greenville's a really cool spot, man. It's like the fourth fastest growing metropolitan area outside in the whole world, in the whole United States. And it's like the first fastest uh, outside of Texas. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your, what's your favorite thing to do in Greenville? Um, Man, I, I really like eating out places. Like, you like eating honest. out in Greenville? What, where, where's your favorite place to eat out in Greenville? Because I know a few joints there, not a ton, but. Uh, so Sushi Yama is in Traveler's Rest. It is by, it is freaking amazing sushi. Like the guy, he like flies fish in from like Japan and stuff like that. Like got fresh wasabi, like all that good stuff. Like you can go there and spend like $150 on lunch if like you really want to. Uh -huh. um, that's that's a little excessive. Like you can you can go there and like spend fifty bucks and like have like a really really cool lunch. Nice. Um, yeah. My my aunt and uncle are from there, and uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll pop on this feed. I don't know. Uh, but I remember they're like, it's just Greenville. It's a little podunk town. And I went there like probably four years ago, and I was like, this is a, not a podunk little town. Like this is really nice. He's like, because he was talking about how the the oh Jesse says gonna say Sushiyama, but the uh, I'm like I'm trying to like not get lost on this like this live feed because it's like really distracting but the uh 
the downtown's nice. Like the river area is super like cool and everybody's like hanging out and there's a ton of restaurants. Yeah. Like I love Greenville. Um, but how, how'd you end up doing solar? Um, so I had a friend who was doing solar and he was just kind of, so I was doing like sales at a cemetery actually. So that oh, was like okay. Well, sorry. I shouldn't have skipped over that. I knew I actually did that. So let's, let's <laughs> sales at a cemetery. Yeah. Sales at a cemetery. Okay. So that's, a, that was actually like my first sales job was a sales, was at a cemetery. So I just kind of, uh, dove right into <laughs> something. Um, it was actually like a really rewarding and, and cool job. The, uh, I learned a lot, like the guy, like the manager there, um, he's just phenomenal salespeople and just like, just really good at like kind of just teaching the basics and all that other stuff. And, uh, you know, whenever people die every day and if they want to be buried in a cemetery, like there's a whole, like, there's a whole business process, like, cause it's a business. So it's a lot of it is, uh, kind of guiding people through that, that business transaction. And like in an ideal situation, hopefully, I mean, so when I would talk to people, I'd always tell them like, so if I had, because uh, you have some people like they've been coming in and they've been like talking about doing this stuff and, and everything else. And it's like, so the way I would get those people to either buy something or, or stop coming back was be like, hey. I was like, all right, do you want to be buried in a cemetery? Because it's fine if you don't, but if you don't want to, then there's no reason for you to be talking to me. It's like, oh, no, no, we want to be here. Grandma's over there. My aunt's over there. It's like, all right. It's like, well, if you want to be buried in a cemetery, you're being selfish and irresponsible by not taking care of this now because essentially what you're doing is you're telling your wife here or you're telling your kids that like you know what screw you you got to come up with 15 grand when i die and like i mean that's really what you're doing though like if you want to be buried in a cemetery you're going to be probably out 10 fifteen thousand dollars and uh you really need to like kind of have that because man it sucks when someone comes in and like they they just want to bury dad or bury mom or whatever and like they're not prepared for it and they don't they've got to come up with all this money or, and then they don't know like, well, which casket should we get? And all, and you're making, trying to make all these decisions. Um, if you're prepared for it ahead of time, it only takes like, you only got to talk to that person for like 15 minutes. Whereas if you're not prepared at all, you're going to be there for a few hours and at a point in your life when you probably don't want to be doing that. So that's your pitch. Yeah. I think I've always thought it was pretty solid. It worked. It either made people really mad or they would be like, all right, <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> what's like your, what's the most common objection you got when you were doing cemetery sales? Um, uh, well, I don't need anything fancy. I'm just going to, you know, just, uh, just put me in a pine box and throw me in a ditch. And I was like, well, I mean, that's all well and good, but like funerals, that's, this really isn't for you. This is for your wife or for your kids. And like, it's really, people are using that as like a defense mechanism to not talk about something that makes them uncomfortable. Like, you know, they're just like, they're trying to like make a joke about it. So it's like, you really just kind of have to like buy into it and then just like go into it. Cause it's like, no, like you wouldn't be here if that's what you wanted, you know? And like, you know, that's not a possibility. You just, no one likes thinking about that they're going to die or whatever, you know? So. So what's really like the about, best. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. What, what's like the best upsell? Like when you like try to sell someone, like how do you upsell them? Like, uh, like, in um, so, uh, <laughs> I love that. Like, I mean, so like, I love that, from like, like a, from like a commission standpoint or whatever, you want to sell like a mausoleum, like, you know, you would go like full fancy. Um, I, uh, so I mean for that, if I was trying to upsell people, so like, I, uh, I would just kind of channel like my inner narcissist and like, for me, it's like, you know, I kind of want like a, an obelisk or something like on my grave, you know, just, uh, 
like maybe like me like on like a mar like a like a marble statue of like me holding a sword on a Shetland pony or something. And uh, so like I could like really easily get kind of hype about like no like let's have like a badass monument and, like you know do some cool stuff here. Um, it's really it's a lot of it is just uh it's it's all in like the details on that stuff so it's like you start off with like a base level of thing and then like the upsells just kind of happen naturally because it's like oh well you want like this particular granite well this costs more and then or you want you want this stuff and it just kind of slowly goes up so like what was the biggest sale you got in funeral sales if you could disclose that if not i'm totally cool with it that's like a, a um, smaller amount I think there was there was one where, and this was I think this is actually when I like got hooked on sales too. So is this guy, like uh, I can't remember if he was just a walk-in or if I was either like because I was like the new guy, so I was like just like having to like call through like old files and stuff like that. But uh, got this guy and he just like came in and was like really cool, laid back, and like I think it was like one of the first few sales that like I handled like you know on my own and whatever. And like this guy just like, he was like the perfect customer. Like me and him just got along and he just like, but wanted the whole thing. Like he wanted the mausoleum. He wanted all, he wanted all the fancy stuff. He didn't give me any grief about it. Like, you know, he just wanted to know that like, you know, I was going to treat him right, give him a good deal and boom, 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 boom. And uh, I think it, it was like $20,000 or something like that. I think my commission came out to be like, like four or $5,000 or something like that. And I was like, I was like, wait, I just made $4,000 and, <laughs> in an hour and a half I was like what have I been doing with my life well so you guys are making like 20 20 percent commission on that so it, on mausoleums yeah it's like 15 to 20 percent and then this commission structure for that stuff is weird so like it moves around like so you don't make any money on at need uh so like if someone comes in like someone's already dead like the commissions were like basically non-existent um but on pre-need stuff, it ranges between like 3% and 20%, depending on like whether you're selling a plot or whether you're selling a casket or whatever. So like what's one, what's one thing I should know before I, like if I'm going to the, the what do you call it? This, not, not funeral services, but like. Like the cemetery? Cemetery. If I go to the cemetery and I'm like, I need this, what's, what's the secret I should know to get like a special deal like what like when i go to a hotel i know that if i'm smile and i'm nice and i talk about how mm -hmm. i've been there before they're gonna upgrade my room right right uh, but what, what's like that secret for cemetery um don't need it so like don't be in a hurry uh and the, they can mark that stuff down pretty significantly uh like probably pretty easily they can like over like the sticker price like they can usually it's real they're doing specials and stuff all the time like so it's like you know they'll you can easily get like plots like 50 percent off and stuff like that like the price is not the price like it is very very negotiable depending upon like how patient you are and like how you talk to the people and like so you'd want to like kind of like buy it kind of all at once and then like negotiate a good deal and like the price can come down pretty significantly do like a down payment of some kind and like most cemeteries they have like zero so the cemetery industry is interesting because they don't have to like actually like there's no cost until the service is provided right yeah so they can they can literally just self-finance and a lot of the times they do like no interest financing people will like do this so like you can pay for it like over five years or something with no interest and uh if you go in there with like a down payment and like a negotiator's mindset like you can 
probably walk out of there like paying like you know 30 percent less than what they're advertising it for could, could you like go to like two different cemeteries and get like quotes could you like go to you know the the east side cemetery and then you go to like the sunny side one and be like well the sunny side one said i can get a mausoleum for x dollars and you <laughs> this much as so, anybody uh, so you can um so the, the cemetery industry is actually, it's a duopoly for the most part. So there's two companies that pretty much own everything. So there's SCI, which owns like uh, like 70, 75% of like all the cemeteries in the country. And then Stonemore owns uh, like 15, 20 or something like that. So like more like 95% plus of cemeteries are owned by two companies. And uh, they're actually working on like buying up like all the funeral homes and stuff now too, but they keep the original names. So you don't, because uh, a lot of those like, Funeral homes um, in particular are, uh, they're family owned businesses, you know, and they've been in the family for a few generations, but then, you know, it comes along and like junior or the third or whoever like isn't particularly interested in doing it anymore. So he like sells it out. Um, so there's not a whole lot of, uh, you can play them against each other for a little bit, but like all the prices are very eerily similar between, uh, between the two companies. Huh. Okay. Uh, oh, probably. So good insider tip. Uh, don't buy, so I hope, uh, I think I still have a few friends doing this, stuff, so they might be mad at me now, but you can go and you don't have to buy a memorial like through the, the cemetery. You can buy it from like an outside place and it's usually significantly cheaper. Okay, nice. It's kind of like- They'll, try to, tell, they'll try to tell you that like it's not warrantied and stuff like that if you don't buy it from them, but like- There's a, a warranty on headstones? But yeah, like there's, uh, to some extent, yeah, like there's, so I guess, yeah, that is the disadvantage to buying it from outside of that is like if you buy it from within, like if it breaks for like any reason, like they'll usually replace it. But if it's an outside one, then they don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and don't buy marble headstones look gorgeous, but uh, they're porous. So like over the years, uh, like marble just doesn't hold up very well. They look, start, look, unless you're like out there cleaning it very, very consistently. Uh, interesting. Okay. So the, uh, let's, I guess we'll move on from funeral. Um, uh, there's, there's a need, there's like a specific term for it. It's not like cemetery sales, but now I'm thinking I should like go do Facebook advertising for that, those kind of sales. I think you make a lot of money anyway. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's, uh, final expenses. Final expense. final expense. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what made you decide that cemetery sales was the end of the road? Um, well, so I left that job for a little while and, uh, uh, like, honestly, I was at kind of like a rough point in my life at, at that point, like not necessarily making all the, uh, not necessarily making uh, a whole lot of good decisions. So it was, uh, I just kind of went that and like, I, I went and worked in like tech for a little while and was like doing like, uh, like installing like servers and stuff like that, pulling cable and doing different things. And then, um, one of my friends was like, Hey, you know, you really should get into like doing selling solar. He was like, he was like, I'm making a lot of money. He's like, you'd be really good at it. Um, so I, uh, I went and started working at the company he was working at and just kind of remembered that like, Oh, like that's right. Sales is cool. Sales is where it's at and was instantly making just like a whole lot more money. And, uh, yeah, just never really looked back at, uh, um, just kind of like that, that kind of like started like a path of just kind of like, you know, making better decisions that and uh, getting my, uh, my hot fiance, you know, it's like once you kind of have, once you have like a, a, 
woman in your life it's like oh like i kind of need to get my shit together like uh so, <laughs> no i think at some point like you uh you realize i think it probably took me longer than maybe it takes uh some people i don't know i can be kind of hard-headed but uh you know if you don't kind of like start uh owning up and like doing things differently than you're doing like your young 20s at least what i was doing um you know there was all sorts of things in my life that i wanted that like you're not gonna have if you're not like actively building something you know you're just like dithering away yeah so was the transition pretty hard over to solar? Was it pretty easy? What were your, what were your thoughts? Or what was your experience? Uh, Sorry. I, I thought I kind of picked right up on it. I sold 45 kilowatts in my first week, which was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, that first check was pretty cool. I was like, oh, wow, this is for real. Because, uh, like, honestly, my initial reaction was, like, I was like, ain't no way. Like, someone was like, you can go into someone's home. And they're just going to sign like same day, like sign a contract for $50,000. I was like, I'll believe this when I see this. Like there's got to be something going on. But um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. But, uh, you know, so like I, I, I picked it up and then I kind of went through a slump. So I did really well like my first month. And then I, I went through a slump and I was essentially just like feature vomiting on people. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a nerd and like I could like I love tech stuff and whatever, but I was just like, I was just like talking to people about a bunch of stuff that does not matter. Like I was just like going on and on about like net metering and like just the efficiency of panels and just like all that nonsense that like does not actually matter. And uh, so then like after, you know, after working stuff through with uh, like uh, Austin uh, was uh, kind of like guiding me through some of that stuff and just like, he was like, yeah, you know, what, what are you doing here? You know, all that. And uh, I made a rule. But I was just like, you know what, unless someone, unless it's imminently relevant to the decision or they ask me about it, like, I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna bring it up. Like, because ultimately what people really care about is panels go up on roofs, sun hits them and go-go juice comes out. And this is, this is what you're paying. <laughs> like, that's really what the important stuff is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Every once in a while I get a rep that's like, are you using LG 335 panels? And I'm like, what are those? And they're like, yeah. They're shocked, like, you don't know what those are? I'm like, no, and I can guarantee you I make more money than you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's funny how, like, the, the things that you choose to focus on or whatever, it's like, those are the things that, like, always, like, come up, like, in appointments and whatever. It's like, because, uh, and it's interesting, like, when you listen to different reps talk and, and whatever, because, like, they'll be like, yeah, like, my customers ask me about all the time, and I'll just be like, not once in the history of me selling it says anyone ever asked me that question they're like every one of my questions customers asked that so it's like we all have those things we're like we're making it important in our heads so like we're like manifesting that the customer is like gonna bring it up and and talk about it and it's uh it's funny how that works cool so now now you're doing solar you're managing a team and you guys had a pretty good month last month from what i hear so what's, what's it like, man? What's, what's it like on the other side of the fence? Well, you're not really on the other side of the fence. You're still producing and working, but managing a team versus just running doors. Um, it's a lot of just, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of like things that happen like on the, just, it's a lot of things, just making sure things run smoothly. Like, I mean, that's, uh, I, I want to try to make it so like the reps can be like as focused on like being in the home as, uh, as possible. So it's like the more, the more of that like backend sort of stuff. So like you want people that are self-sufficient, but you also want them, you know, focusing on like the task at hand. So, uh, I mean, I try to just always make it about whatever I can do to like empower them to like perform at their natural best is like 
And that's really what it's about, is just giving them the tools, making them feel like that they're supported and, uh, you know, and that, you know, that we can make a deal happen as long as, you know, like we can do this, you know, whatever we need to do, we, you know, we can get it done. And uh, I have a lot of fun, like, you know, like doing drop calls is fun. So like, I love when reps call and like do that sort of stuff. So uh, it's definitely rewarding to like kind of manage like that logistics end of it and, and all that. It's, uh, it's very different from just like being in a home, but uh, I definitely, I'm definitely still learning a lot on how to best do that job, but uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll all be always learning a lot. That means like we're progressing and growing. The instant you're not learning is like the instant you're probably going to, right. you know, like, cause things change, things change. What the heck, you know? <laughs> um, I guess let's like, let's like chat about that a little bit. Like how, how's the adjustment been? Um, what's, what's the whole, what's the new normal? In terms of coronavirus. Oh, <laughs> we're, we're like we're talking about the past and we're just like, life's normal. And all of a sudden it's like, oh shoot, there's this like disease rampaging outside. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I heard something about that. Like I, I, I was trying to go eat at my sushi place and they're like, oh yeah, we can't do this. Um, uh, what we're seeing is uh, honestly, I'm really, really impressed with the way uh, like everyone on my team has like really done a really remarkable job stepping up in terms of just like finding really just kind of pivoting and just taking it all in stride. Like I was a little bit worried about like, you know, people obviously, you know, there was, you know, a little bit of just like uncertainty and whatnot, but it's, you know, it's my attitude is always that, you know, you can't really, you know, you need to focus on the things you can control. And uh, I mean, worrying about like all this other stuff, like I can't actually, I don't have the resources to like make a vaccine or like do any of that other stuff. So it's like, all I can do is like focus on like my sphere of influence and how I can make, that sphere better and uh, I think it's important to always like always be trying to expand your sphere so that you can do more good things but you know in the moment all you can focus on is what you have control over so you know we uh you know so we're doing virtual sits and people have just been like really just like taking that I mean like Jesse I think is just like straight up just like closed one over the phone like not even like it was either Jesse or Ryan uh, but they just like closed one like just straight up over the phone like no Ozol, no nothing. Like just like talked with them for a while, sent the docs and and got it done. Um, well, I think honestly, what we're seeing, and I was kind of surprised by this, is we're seeing like a fewer number of appointments, but the appointments we're taking it are closing at a higher percentage. So it's like you know, instead of you know, you know, instead of fifteen appointments closing five or whatever, you know, it's like we're getting ten appointments and then closing four, or you know, or eight appointments and closing four. So the people that uh, the people that are sitting down and uh, and are talking about it are definitely interested. Um, I almost think that it's, uh, you know, when you uh, having like talking with someone about this almost like restore like a sense of normalcy because it just gives them like something. People are sitting around bored, you know, it's like talking to a salesman, sound, you know, doesn't sound too bad. And it's uh, maybe, you know, there's maybe it's always something they've had in the back of their mind and just like never like took the time to like sit down and like, you know, it's like now they've got the time like, well, let's sit down and talk about solar. Um, you know, not to mention, you know, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts, I mean, I'm sure we're doing options just like I'm sure everyone else is in terms of just like covering people's bills until 2021. And, you know, just, uh, I think people are looking at a lot of the uncertainty and stuff that happens. And if like, if they can make a decision that like puts something more like into their realm of control, um, I think that they can, you know, that just makes them feel good about it. And I also think that there's something about like the novelty of like doing a, a virtual close. So I don't think a lot of people probably, they're not really like using Zoom and whatnot. So it's like you and I are using it all the time. So it's just like something we do. 
but I think that there's for a lot of people like it's like a cool little like oh like there's a webcam thing I use it for FaceTime with my friends but using it for like a serious thing is uh is like a new thing with a stranger so it's uh I think that between so like the novelty of that and then like the instant like rapport of like corona going on so it's like we all have something to talk about is a is a really powerful like sales combination nice nice cool well like let's uh well what so what's good in your life what are you working on now like or what are we what are you building professionally there's probably a lot of good things in your life you got fiance you're probably like yeah. enjoying a little more free time but still some grind but professionally what are you working on what are you building uh so working on building a team man we uh I think that we've got a we've got a really cool uh, group of people, and uh, I think the more people we can bring into that, it's uh, you know it's like we're looking for like people that mesh well with the current team, right energy, and all that other stuff. But you know, it's, to me, man, like the bigger you can grow that, the better. You know, it's like if you can have if you can you know if you have like know what you want and like have a vision for it, and then just can kind of like find people where they they can you know I think we you and I were talking about this a little bit the other day where it's just. Uh, you know, if you can get people that are like down to like buy into that and just like build something together, like I think it's, you know, the more people you bring into that, you know, the cooler it is, you know, it's like, how cool would it be to have, you know, 200 people, you know, all working towards the same thing, doing the same stuff. And, you know, like you, you hang out and it's people that like, you know, you, you can hang out with and, and do stuff with, and you all just are kind of helping each other get towards those goals. Like, I think that that's, that's really cool. So, um, really just, uh, definitely just focusing on like, you know, bringing more people into that and then, you know, it's uh, learning how, so like probably it's a cool little intellectual challenge of like figuring out like how to build up systems to like support people doing that because, you know, it's like managing three or four people, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you can kind of do that. But then you start getting up to like nine, 10 people and it's like, okay, I really need to start having systems for automating some of this stuff. And then it's like, it's an apprenticeship or mentorship versus like a bit like a scalable system. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, and I'm really lucky that, so I have like a, uh, I have like a, I call, we say that we're co, we're co-parenting, but uh, I, uh, so his name's Austin and like, we've just been, we've been working together for like the last year and a half and uh, just like having him there to kind of, uh, you know, it, it allows, it essentially allows you to have two people. So like we're similar enough and like we're good enough at the same things that we can both kind of do the same stuff and like we can cover for each other. Um, but then have different enough mindsets that like we can still like challenge each other and like, you know, have different perspective on things. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, because it's nice because let's say you want to like, you know, go to a movie or something like that, you know, it's like, and it's, you know, say you wanted to go to a matinee or whatever you wanted to go have lunch with your fiance or whatever, like, you know, the other person can cover during that hour and you don't have to necessarily be glued to your phone. Um, I think it also just allows like, you know, it makes sure that everyone can always get a hold of someone, you know? And it's just, I think it takes a lot of the, the stress and uh, maybe like the, the, I, the solitude of leadership is a lot easier with, uh, when, there's, when there's two of you, I think. <laughs> yep, cool. So let's do, let's do some rapid fire questions. If you're cool with that. This is just totally I'm random. Um, just so everybody knows, I did not prep him on these. Um, so I'm just <laughs> intuitive answer. So, Let's just go. What's your favorite color? Uh, like a dark green or like on a car. I really like like that gunmetal color. Gunmetal color. Okay. Um, what's your favorite breakfast food? French toast. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Which is your favorite superhero in Marvel and why? Well, oh, 
So I like I watched actually no Batman. So DC because it's Batman and Batman. Uh, okay, you're gonna take it back. All right. Because um, his superpower is being rich. I mean, so that's like attainable for all of us. Will you shave your mustache? Will I sit uh, like on a bet or a dare? Sure. So this is uh, this is actually relatively. So I went. Uh, I'm 29. Turned 30 in May. I went 29 years of like never doing facial hair, just always just clean shaven, and I. Uh, it started off with me joking with Lara about like, I was like, I think I'm going to grow a mustache. Cause I was like, you know, my dad rocked a mustache for, for years and he looked pretty good. I basically looked like a clone of my dad's so like, I could probably pull it off. And she was like, I think you should do it. So, uh, I did it and I was like, you know, I'll just go all in, you know, it's like you're going, you know, I feel like if you've never done facial hair, just like skipping right to the mustache is kind of a, a ballsy move. But, um, it's been probably like one of the more enjoyable, like social experiments that I've done in, in recent time. Uh, just you get a lot of remarks on it it's funny i don't know it makes me look a lot older if i shave this off i look like i'm about 17 years old yeah well, lance martin wanted to know he was he asked me oh. <laughs> <laughs> good old lance um who's better who looks better in a restaurant lance, lance is one of the funniest people i've ever met lance is one of my favorite people uh shout out to, to lance martin out there in greenville um who looks better in a resting singlet you or austin um a wrestling singlet probably austin who would win the match uh well austin's like six foot three and probably got about like 60 pounds on me so uh, probably austin i just have to i would have to like dance like a butterfly sting like a bee and just don't let him get a hold of me it's a wrestling match <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. okay what's your favorite song to jam to Favorite song to jam to? Um, goodness. Uh, Baba O'Reilly uh, by The Who. Like, I will sing that song really, really loudly, like, anytime I hear it. That song, that was the first song I ever listened to on, like, an MP3. And my dad was, like, on the computer, like, showing me, like, what an MP3 was. But, like, <laughs> and, um, so that was, like, the first, like, digital song I ever heard. So, really good song. I'll also like, I'm always like randomly singing like Spice Girls songs. I don't know why, like it's, they just like pop into my head and like silly, like bad pop songs just like pop into my head. Uh, what book made the biggest difference in your life? Um, man, I'm reading uh, Joe Dispenza's book, uh, How to Break the Habit of Being Yourself. And that's a phenomenal book. Um, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life is a, is a really cool book. I, I got a lot out of that. Um, I read, my dad gave me like how to win friends and influence people when I was like probably like uh, like 10 or something like that. And that's a absolutely phenomenal book. Um, I don't know, I read, I read a lot, man. I really like books. Uh, so there's a, uh, if you're gonna read fiction, like probably the best fiction books I've read. So like the Expanse series are absolutely phenomenal. Like a really cool, like, kind of hard science look at like what the future could look like in like 200 years or whatever. And I think that's really cool. Phenomenal television series too. And then uh, the, uh, the Passage trilogy is really, really cool. Cool. Um, what's your favorite vacation you've ever went on? Favorite vacation? Um... I've had fun on like all my vacations. The uh, went on like a Mexican cruise in November, and that was pretty cool. Um, 
went on a cruise when I was like, my first like cruise when I was like, actually this is the first of two, but uh, I went on like a, uh, a cruise when I was like 17 for jazz band, like our jazz teacher somehow like got the school district to pay for all of us to go on a, on a cruise <laughs> to like pay to like do some performance and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I went to Captiva Sanibel with uh, my fiance and her family two years ago and that was really cool. I'd never been to like that part before. Yes. How many siblings do you have? This is courtesy of Lance, too. He keeps on shooting me. Oh, I, have, I have five. Five brothers. Five brothers. Okay, okay. Well, nothing too they're crazy. All, uh, and they're, they're all J names, and they're all from the Bible. So there's, there's Jacob, Jesse, James, John, Josiah, and Jeremiah. <laughs> nice. Um, what, what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Oh, Lord. Uh, what advice would I give myself 10 years ago? Um, honestly, like I had like a, hmm, that structure is not a bad thing. Cause like, so like, I like tend to just really be like seat of my pants sort of thing. So like, I really need like some kind of like, you know, structure. And like, I had like an attitude towards calendars till like relatively recently, but you know, it's a, a calendar. I feel like especially when you're like a teenager and whatever, like a lot of people view calendars like a prison or something like that, but it, it's not, it's like you get to decide, like you're an adult now, you're not in high school. So it's not like you're being forced to do things you don't want to do. It's like, you can literally just like, these are the things that are important to me. And this is the day I have. So like if I, uh, that and if I, like, I think that would have like helped me like take school more seriously and stuff like that. Cause it was just, uh, I always liked learning and whatever, but I was always just like revolting against like any sort of sense of, structure or anything like that and probably didn't do me any favors in my younger years fastest you've ever driven a land vehicle uh i think like 120 120 dang you beat me uh yeah it was like i was on 80 it was actually like it was a rental and it was like this uh rental went that fast governor it was no this was a few years back it was like a honda civic sport edition and uh I was like following this Camaro on 85 and like, he just, he kind of blew by me and I was like, yo, I'm going to see what this thing can do. And uh, I was kind of surprised at how fast it went. I ended up getting pulled over and uh, I don't know why I didn't pull over the Camaro. Maybe it was too fast to catch him or whatever, but like the, the cop that pulled me over was like this cool older guy. And like, he, I handed him like the papers and he saw it was a rental car and he like came back and he was like, he was like, this is a rental. I was like, yes, sir. He's like, this goes a little bit faster than the car you normally have, I bet. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've kind of just got like an old beater. And he was like, oh, okay, I kind of figured that. So he wrote me a ticket for nine over. And I was going one, I was going 120 in a 65. <laughs> yeah. Um, scariest thing you've ever done? Um, scariest thing I've ever done. I'm not sure. You got to do more scary things, brother. Apparently. Uh, maybe I just don't scare easily. I'm not sure about that. That uh, I drove like a, a really a different car, like 110 once, and that was kind of scary because the whole thing was like wobbling and whatnot. Um, I'm not sure. I've done a lot of stupid things. Uh, I'll have to think about that. I'm not sure. I guess I need to do more scary things. You're right. 
Yeah. W wisdom you wish more people followed. Wisdom you wish more people followed. Wisdom I wish more people followed. We're, we're, we're working your brain right now on these later ones. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, Hmm. I don't know. People say, I feel like people are really, uh, I, I read something a little while back and it's like, it's easy to demonize someone and you're usually wrong. And I feel like, uh, we do that, uh, a lot. And we're just always like interpreting things like through this. It's really, and like, I catch myself doing it too. Where it's just like, you really just start interpreting things through like a lens of like, that someone is like not acting in like a, like in a good faith manner. And like, obviously there's people that, that are doing that. But uh, I really genuinely think that, uh, you know, it's like you hear it a lot. Like people say, like, oh, you know, people, people suck and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like even like mostly like uh, genuinely, I've seen a lot of people that even though they're mostly positive and whatnot, they just kind of like have a attitude towards like a lot of people. And I think most people are actually, I think most people are, are good. Like even people that I don't necessarily like, like a whole lot or like agree with, like, I don't think that they're, they're bad people. Um, I think that people just end up in, uh, people end up in situations that aren't where they, they wish that, uh, where they wish they were. And then that kind of makes them like act out and whatnot. And I think it's, uh, I don't know, I kind of struggle with like how much of that is like, is it on us to like understand and like empathize with that person? And how much is it, is it on that person to just kind of like get their shit together and stop like causing problems for people because they're doing that. But, uh, um, and I wish I had a better answer for that, but it's, uh, I really just think if you can like, you really just like try to always interpret things from like, uh, giving people a benefit of a doubt, because it's really easy to get like caught up into just interpreting things and, uh, and forgetting that people, you know, everyone, everywhere you go, it's, uh, so I've lived in a bunch of different places and like people think that like, oh, people are different here and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you do have some cultural stuff, but pretty much everywhere you go, it's just like people being people doing people things. And, uh, you know, if you can... I don't know. I don't know if I really answered the question or not, but it's uh That's how I do this. I don't know. It helps your thoughts. Give people a break. Give people a break. There you <laughs> go. What what are you doing right after this podcast? Uh I've got a bunch of emails to respond to. <laughs> uh, I've been uh, I do well actually I just need to like go through and like clean not necessarily respond, but just like go through and like make sure all the stuff has been like dealt with and whatnot. Yeah, me too um cool dude well that that's it um appreciate you jumping on guys james wood working for smart energy today out of greenville south carolina uh, james any parting words uh i don't think so man i had uh, i enjoyed it thanks for having me on this was fun cool well i'm gonna go to kill let's see oh positive what are you doing right what are you doing right after this what am i doing yeah emails and building content editing a podcast <laughs> what is uh what is your take like on oh you were going to tell the story about uh the coast guard cutter in the, the oh the coast guard cutter okay i'll do the coast guard cutter i'll do the coast guard cutter so i worked for a pest control company and we would just get these like random contracts do you, get, you know that big solar plane the like, huge solar plane like, like a plane powered by solar yeah that flew around the world like we put we like oh yeah. tens of thousands of dollars we put bird netting over it so like we would do custom pest control jobs, like the craziest stuff. 
Um, so and for some reason, I always got assigned to these jobs. And so one of the crazy, this isn't the craziest job, by the way, just one of the more fun ones. A Coast Guard cutter was literally, the whole thing was infested by cockroaches. They couldn't get rid of them. And so the government literally paid us to go in there. It took three days. We had to plug every orifice of this Coast Guard cutter, everything. And then we had to take fumigant, like sulfuric chloride gas form, and pump it in there, kill everything. And then we had to go in and clean it out. And I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a, like a ship galley that like functions for like hundreds of people, but crawling mm -hmm. on your belly to unplug grease drains is like the grossest thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. like, I, re that's, I remember like in a Coast Guard, in a galley, just like crawling under there where the grease drain was, like putting a big old thing of like masking tape to plug it in and then going back in there and unplugging it. And there's just dead cockroaches and grease everywhere. It was so nasty. Yeah. Was it, so was it like good money? Was it worth it? Uh, I, I was a government contract. I don't know. Like <laughs> I just like went and did my job. Then it was like, get in there and crawl on your belly and go. Oh, you know, okay. Oh, you're, you're just, you're just doing the grunt work. Yeah. I was like the sales manager over the whole company and they're just like, we need extra hands. And I was like, I'm on deck. Oh. I want to go to a coaster oh. cutter. <laughs> Uh, and then if you, and if you're not, a, if, I mean, if you don't got somewhere to be like right away, I am kind of curious and like, what is, uh, like, what's your take on like the coronavirus, like the economy, like how long do you see it lasting, like effect on industry? Like, where do you see this going? Um, no idea. I think that people are going to, I think our economy, our, well, our, 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 our behavior, not our economy, human behavior was always going towards more remote, um, virtual stuff. And that's right. accelerated now. I think that's the biggest difference we'll see is human behavior has been accelerated towards something it was already working towards. And now people are realizing like, oh, actually I can do this remote thing and it's kind of nice. Right. You know? So once a crisis is gone, sure, it'll resume a little bit, but stay at home and work in is not that bad. And the company's going to realize like people actually work from home pretty well and we don't have to <laughs> pay for this 80,000 square foot building anymore. We can pay right. for a 30,000 square foot one. You know, so yeah, I have I have a friend who he does like he's like a project manager or something for Intel, like from where they make the chips and stuff like that. And he was like, they were like always just hard line on like absolutely no one is ever going to work remotely, et cetera. It just won't work. And now it's like, well, they're all working remotely and like things are things are still just fine. <laughs> I think some good stuff will come out of it. You know, people more generous work from home policies, stuff like that. I do think it's kind of interesting that it's like you know. Uh, we've had all this like anti-vaccine movement and like all this other stuff that's just been like going on. And it's like, now, you know, now we're looking at a situation where it's like, like the universe has a sense of humor for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's going to, there are going to be some like negative repercussions, but it'll mm -hmm. be like, I don't think the dust is settled for us to figure out what those are going to be in the shorter long term. But I think short term, like predictably virtual stuff will be pretty, pretty solid. So well, I think you need like, you know, occasionally that you have to have like shock to the system and stuff that like kind of like pushes things to the extreme. And like, that's how, uh, how you respond to it. It's up to us. I think we can like grow and like do some really cool stuff as a result of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to go and cut it. We're, we're, we're boring people to death. We went from, right. from like 30 people watching now down to five. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, no, it's been good, James. It's been good chatting with you and like appreciate you jumping on.
and uh, we'll keep in touch, man. Thanks. Cool. Thanks, Cody.